Yeah, it's your boy Ray Ray on the mic. Let's go. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to On the Mic with Ray White, where we share life lessons, encourage self-reflection, and equip you to take action. My name is Ray White, and I am juiced. <laughs> that was weird. I don't know why I did that. I am juiced that you're taking the time to listen to this episode today. And as you already know, this is another fire interview. Yes, get up, get hype, let's go. Trevor Windsor comes onto the mic to share his story of how he moved from becoming a baseball player, college baseball player, pastor, family man, and then the director of marketing at Pure Desire Ministries. I'm just used that he came on to share his story and drop so many gems, y'all. So many gems about how to walk in your true identity as well as breaking away from bondage. You, you just got to listen to this episode, man. He has so many gems to drop with you and resources as well that I will definitely plug in into the show notes. His Insta, Pure Desire Ministry website, the podcast, Pure Desire Ministries, that, everything, anything and everything Trevor's a part of, I am putting it all in the show notes and promoting it as well because it's a good organization a good message that he's putting out and that he is a part of so make sure you listen to this episode and while you do that i would love for you to take a screenshot of this episode on any of your podcasting platforms whether it is apple Podcasts, on spotify on anchor fm google podcast whatever that may be take a screenshot of it and then tag me and trevor in it on your show's platform and let me know what is one takeaway that you found out of this episode that you plan on implementing this week that's what i want you to hear that's what i want to see so that way we could post post it up promote it and let y'all y'all and just hype you up we just want to hype you up right now because <laughs> i'm hype I want, I want you to be hyped too anyway go ahead let's dive on to this episode titled downloading truth featuring trevor windsor What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Ray White, on the mic with Ray White, and I'm super excited to have another great friend on the podcast. Uh, a really cool dude, a really great dude. We connected on many different things years ago, um, and we'll talk quite a bit about that as we get to the interview, but I want to welcome you all to Trevor Windsor to the podcast. Trevor, how you doing, man? Dude, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. This like, this like late night podcast vibe. This is new for me, but I like it. You know, my whole thought process behind doing the podcast is, you know, a late night vibe. You know, I got the I got the mug on deck, you know, yeah. trying to get my whole yeah. uh yeah, Jimmy I'm just rocking, I'm rocking white claw over oh, here. Oh, white claws so. all day. Hey, no law yeah. claw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. No judgment. <laughs> Trevor, man, uh before we dive into talking quite a bit about just your journey, um, talk about yeah. your athletic days and some of the work you're doing in ministry and and in social media, podcasting, all that kind of stuff. Um, would you share with us, actually kind of, let's start with what you do. So yeah. how would you yeah. define the work that you do today? And then we'll work, we'll work our way backwards. Yeah. So uh, primary gig for me, I work for a nonprofit ministry called Pure Desire Ministries um, and a uh, real conversation starter, uh, if you know yeah, anything about it. it. Uh, <laughs> And we help people um, really find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction or from mm. the effects of sexual brokenness. And so we help both men and women who are struggling with porn and sex addiction um, break free of that and then also continue out in sobriety and freedom. And then we also come alongside the betrayed spouse. Um, we work a lot. We work with singles, but we work a lot with married couples. And so you usually have a spouse that is the betrayed one that has trauma and all this stuff. And so we also support them. Um, and so we do a lot of different stuff, um, you know, events, counseling, group structure for churches. That's really the heart of what we do. Mm -hmm. We want to come alongside local churches and help them create their own recovery ministry for people so that people have a safe place to go to get healthy. Mm -hmm. um, we just try to resource and help those people as they do it. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that's some good work there. And I know we'll talk quite a bit about, um, you know, how we got to there and, and so, I mean, our connection with even doing that. Um, and I know another connection that we have is athletics. So that's something that, as, as I know, with quite a few folks I have on the podcast, I want to share just a little bit about their glory days. So yeah. tell me a little bit about, if you want to, you know, relive sure, those sure. times. 
yeah. what, what was the sport that you played in college uh, and shared a little bit about some of the highlights that you remember during that season? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't mind reliving the glory days. Hey. Uh, I was out playing around with my kid today and we're just playing soccer with a little kid soccer ball. And I feel like I tweaked my knee and it's like, well, we ain't in the glory days anymore. <laughs> uh, so that was, you know, you know, kind of a blow. I blow a little bit to the to the dome a little bit, but hey, it's okay. Um, okay, so for me, the sport has always been baseball. Mm. I played football and basketball and soccer growing up, um, which uh, ironically I hate two of those now. But uh, basketball and baseball were kind of the gig, and um, yeah, baseball was just it. Like uh, I don't, I mean, I know you know Ray, you played football in college. Like you just kind of find um, that the way that your body's built and your athleticism just kind of fits into the rhythms of certain games or certain sports. And so for me, baseball was that, um, I mean, for me, people have always said, I look like a baseball player or whatever that means. Oh yeah. Um, I, I can see yeah. That. Like yeah. kind of the, whatever the stature, or, people didn't call it swag back then. You know what I mean? That's what they call it now. Um, but they didn't, they didn't call it swag then. Uh, they called it douche E something like that. Something like um, that. yeah, but, I don't see it. Um, yeah, for, sure. Uh, I don't believe you. But uh, no, for me, I played um, at George Fox um, for a year and then transferred down to Corbin University in Salem. Um, man, glory days. Uh, you know, for me, one of the highlights definitely was um, getting to start and play as a freshman. Um, when I got recruited out of high school to go to George Fox, they had won the national championship two years before huh. Division Three NCAA. And so it was like, hey, like this is, you know, this is a real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I played for Pat Bailey, um, at his last year, who is now uh, the assistant coach at Oregon state was head coach, um, for a year. Uh, so definitely a successful program there at George Fox. Um, funny thing is I, uh, I jumped in as an outfielder. I was recruited as an outfielder okay. and second day of fall ball, uh, cause baseball, whether people know it or not is a year round sport. Yeah. Baseball <laughs> like you get to school. No, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. And uh, which we can also talk about that. I've got some issues with that. But uh, second day of fall ball, they're like, hey, have you played infield before? And I'm like, yeah, I've played infield. I played infield my entire life. Uh, and they're like, all right, we're going to move you to third base. I'm like, okay, great. Now I'm playing behind a freshman who was like a second or third team All-American as a freshman. Uh-huh. Uh, like I think led the country in home runs as a freshman. And was like, cool. So I am just going to be sitting here watching. Go, Bo. You can do this, man. Wow. Uh, come to find out he man like i don't know i think it was um maybe like couple like maybe a couple weekends into the season and he got hurt um trying to make some crazy play and i got thrown to the fire it's like hey it's Mm -hmm. game time let's go um and so for me being able to start and play with a really successful team i mean we were ranked fifth in the nation um which is a huge highlight for me um and sadly my baseball career went downhill from there oh, uh but we went two and out in regionals but still got to play with some guys who got drafted and some guys who were um, all americans and uh that was a really really enjoyable time um but man like for me uh i didn't have the most successful college career i mean i was a successful player in the sense that i was a starter and played um you know every day it was an everyday player but at the same time like it just it didn't pan out you know everybody plays sports growing up you know no one plays sports growing up thinking well, man i'm just gonna play through high school and then i'm just gonna be done like that's mm-hmm. just my plan you know mm-hmm. people are always like no i want to go college mm-hmm. i want to play college i want to play in the pros or semi-pro or something mm-hmm. so for me that was always the goal but uh that just didn't come to fruition for me um but my biggest thing man is just like i have always been an includer i always have loved working with people in unity for a common goal um something of, of value and so for me that was really the most enjoyable part of playing sports as long as I got to um, was that I got to play with a lot of good players and we got to like just fight alongside each other for the same mission just getting better and trying to win that's great that's great I love that you pulled that out there that just the inclusion aspect of the game and I would imagine that I mean every sport every team has that ability where Mm -hmm. it is a team sport and you have to have all players on the same accord on the same mission towards achieving that championship or achieving the win or what have you and kind of greater than that and every person has a role to play regardless of the position you're in um so when you were thrown into the fire you said that was your freshman year yeah 
give me your skills. So what was your feeling? Like, give me your mind, mindset during that time. Like. <laughs> I was like, my teammates are going to hate me. <laughs> uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I was a first-team all-conference player. Like, um, you know, one of the things that you probably realize this too, that when you get to college, you realize that everybody on your team was one of the best players on their high school teams. Right. So it's like you walk in and I mean, I remember my roommate um, that we had played against each other in high school and he was player of the year for the state of Oregon. So it's like, wow. all right, I'm not definitely not to his level, you know, which, you know, the irony is, is that college athletics, um, and I know we'll kind of get into this later, but the biggest thing is college athletics is not about who's the best player college athletics as far as being successful is actually about who can make the, the best adjustments um, who can stay healthy and who can make the adjustments to get better because I've seen people who are um, excellent excellent athletes and players and have tons of skill but they get to a certain level and they can't make the adjustments to be successful um, and so yeah like for me it was just when I got into that situation I was like man I just don't want to mess up I remember the first um, we were playing up at Whitworth and because you and I played in the same conference mm -hmm. um, and so we were playing up at Whitworth and I remember the first ground ball was hit to me at third base and uh, like ironically I took two steps and I tripped over my lace on my cleat oh, geez. and it looked like I dove right I, like somehow looked graceful enough that it looked like I actually dove and I like got it couldn't get up and make the throw but I mean the ball didn't get past me you know and like all the seniors are like, yeah, Trey, way to go. Yeah. And I'm just like, they have no idea. Like, I'm so lucky that this thing didn't get past me. So um, for me, honestly, it was just like about the experience. Like, mm -hmm. how can I be, um, how can I work hard and get better um, and just be a role player? Because I wasn't the best player and I, I, there was no way I was going to be. Um, but for me, it was just like trying to soak it all up. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, you mentioned that unfortunately the game didn't pan out uh the question that i have here is essentially talking about that transition coming out of athletics that we all unfortunately have gone through i mean you talked about your knee i, I mean I'm, I'm i'm having back issues trying to throw my son <laughs> yeah. around too but welcome to the 30s ray this is oh what happens nobody told me about this actually everybody did tell me about this yeah but right. tell me tell thing. me about that transition season like what were you thinking what were your what were your thoughts and feelings on transition mm -hmm. out of the game um, well, I mean, maybe it's unique for me, but, um, honestly, dude, we were trash. Like mm. we played 60 games and we lost 51 of those games. Mm. Um, the, our field was so bad that we actually had to play at volcano stadium, which is a minor league park, um, down in Salem. Mm. And, uh, that also wasn't a great field. Um, no offense. I mean, actually offense. Yeah. Total offense. They don't take care of that field. But anyways, we, uh, we were just trash. And what's funny is like, I had a new coach come in and I have a good relationship with my coach now, but like, mm -hmm. um, at the time it was, I think I had, yeah, I had a coaching staff was different every single year I was at Corbin. That's hard. Um, so all five, so I played five years. So I, I was, I was there for five years and, um, I didn't have, continuity as far as coaching and leadership and so um this new coach who came in my senior year was a change in the head coach and it was like he had all these promises and none of them were fulfilled um didn't live up to it and um so for me there was that we had like butt heads on a few things um i mean i was like a three-year starter and was you know ready to jump in mm -hmm. um and so that was a challenge and then um i just didn't get along with a lot of my a lot of the younger teammates, um, I mean, for me, like I, that season of life, I just wasn't um, the best version of myself for sure. Um, and so for me, I, I clashed with some teammates as well. And then um, honestly, dude, I was engaged, uh, I think in January or February of that year. Um, and that kind of process actually, um, that was part of my story is I've, I've had some engagements before I got married that fell apart. So for me at that time, like it was like, I'm gonna get married, like I'm gonna get a job, like I'm gonna get to have sex and have kids and like be, you know, be a husband, like it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And so for me, all those things catered to me transitioning out of baseball. I was like, deuces, I'm no. out. Cool. Yeah. We're good. Um, ironically though, um, I remember we were playing at Portland State. Um, yeah, I think we we're playing at uh, either you it was UP or Portland State. 
our last game. And I remember my last at bat, um, just like hit a rocket right to the center fielder and he caught it. And as I'm rounding first base, I just like lost it. Like total emotional, like breakdown, like ball my eyes out in the dugout, knowing my career was then over. So it still was super emotional for me, but like the buildup wasn't, I wasn't like, I was, I was anticipating getting out, not like, you know, trying to hold it back. So for me, maybe that's a little unique, but my last year just wasn't great. And I was ready to, to kind of get out of it at that point. I can see that though. I mean, it, you know, to be completely hundred percent honest with you, there are very few division three athletes that make it on to professional. And I know you start kind of started a conversation saying, yes, it's everyone's dream to go pro. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, there's the NCAA statistic that, you know, 98% of the athletes go pro with something else or whatever their tagline is. And I think that's more so in the division one range <laughs> and, right. it, you know, so right. the other divisions kind of may have a, yeah. a larger. No one was buying me cars or okay. clothes or shoes or right. jewelry. I mean, you know, like <laughs> I wasn't that game. Right. So I could imagine that, yes, the the day of being done with the sports was already in your mind. Like you knew yeah. that this day is coming. But yeah. as you stated, when the finality of that event is still hard, like <laughs> that's still totally an emotion is. because you now know that was that's my last at bat like yeah i will never swing a a, a club again in this in this uniform or what right. have you you know um, well, and, and, and cool. yeah well and another thing too as i was thinking like there was a teammate of mine who um i think he was like 25 when he graduated like he had kind of come in a little bit later and had some eligibility um great friend of mine and his name's craig spicer and he um he was a year ahead of me in eligibility and so he was processing through all that stuff and we'd had conversations um, about what it was like to transition and what it was like for him. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways that really prepared me. Um, I can remember one conversation specifically where he just really was talking to me about um, like, just enjoy it while you can. Cause it's, it's almost over. Um, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I still have a year and a half left, you know, but he was right. And so I think that there are a lot of things that catered to that transition being, I guess, less traumatic. Yeah. Than it could have been. That's good. That's good. I'm trying to remember if during my time playing, if there was anything like that. I think I did have friends who, you know, we all have friends or upperclassmen who are eventually done, but I don't think I ever had the the perspective to ask them like, hey, what, what's life like once you're done playing? You know, you, you see right. it, every, you see all the time seniors are in tears because they realize that the season's yeah. over, yeah. but never had, like, I don't think I was that aware, knowledgeable enough to ask that person and say, hey, totally. Tell, tell me a little bit more about how this is going a year out of the game, you know, and totally. um, yep. I'd imagine that that's, like you said, that's beneficial for you to prepare you for that next step. Um, so you then obviously you graduate, you move on. You didn't start out at Pure Desire though. So talk a little bit about that kind of career, your, your career journey up to Pure Desire yeah. and some of the things that you were doing in that time. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, going through high school I mean most athletes like what are you majoring in like business you know like you know um so I did business for the first two years of college the first year at Fox and the first year at Corbin um and uh the irony is when I was in high school I thought I was going to be an accountant um which if you know me uh like I'm a seven on the Enneagram like bro we don't do accounting we don't do number crunching we don't do sitting down Um, like this quarantine is literally suffocating my soul. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not good. Um, and so for me and an unhealthy, you know, definitely more unhealthy back then. Um, it just like, I don't know. It, it just was a challenge. Anyways, I took financial accounting. Uh, I think it was my second year at Corbin and I'm like, and I'm out. (laughs) I gotta do some, I gotta do something else. Um, (laughs) And I remember uh, having conversations with my aunt who um, had a master's in like criminal psychology. And we'd always talked about counseling and stuff. And my parents were biblical counselors um, growing up. And so for me, I was like, okay, psychology seems like a good thing. Um, and so I, I changed and, uh, you know, I definitely paid for doing that fifth year of school because uh, mm-hmm. going to private Christian schools ain't cheap. Um, <laughs> which we are now debt free. Praise the free hey, for it. Yeah. Two and a half years, $103,000. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. 
uh, mic drop. And that's the episode. See you guys. It is. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think um, for me, it was like, that seemed more natural. Like I remember taking counseling classes and stuff and it's like, I don't get the, the book smarts, but the like, I get people. I understand situations. I read context really well. Um, and so for me, I moved into that. And as I was moving in my last semester at Corbin, um, I looked at, I wanted to do coaching, but not like, not, I mean, I did want to coach sports, but it was more like life coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know one of the questions you had on here, like that idea of like a guiding like phrase for me or something that I, I really like wrapped my, my mission, my life mission around was, and I wrote it down just, it's funny. I still have a picture. Well, the first time I wrote it down, I still have a picture of it on my phone Yeah, and it's to help facilitate and encourage the development and progression of others' growth in maturity and sanctification. Mm. Um, and so for me, I've always been a grower, a learner, a progressor, like someone who just wants to keep rocking, getting better, getting better. Um, which there's some identity issues and some brokenness mixed in there. But, um, for me, the thought of like doing life coaching, walking alongside somebody and helping them do their life better, become a better version of themselves. Um, just was appealing. And so, uh, ironically, Western seminary, uh, place here in Portland, um, was like offered a program for that. So I applied for it and maybe a couple months later, um, it was probably like a month or two before I graduated. Um, I just felt like, and I've never had the Lord, um, audibly talk to me. I mean, like, and it depends on where you're at, I think theologically, but like for me, I've, I feel like, like it's almost like a message just kind of gets downloaded to my soul, to my heart. Um, and it's just like, this, this is truth. Like whatever's coming in, this is truth. And what came in um, was a pastor as a life coach in a lot of ways. Like, and that was kind of the vibe. It was almost like, I felt like the Lord's like, you know what, Trev, a pastor is a life coach too. Um, and I was like, I guess you're right. <laughs> so I entered into the MDiv program um, at Western Seminary, Master Divinity, um, and kind of the irony of all that is that my dad was a pastor and my parents were in ministry uh, all grown up. And when I was in high school, I had said I wanted to be a youth pastor. Mm. And I had a youth leader, which what he said was there's wisdom in it. But I think the time, the timeliness of it was a little unfortunate. But he told me if you could do anything in life uh, other than ministry, do it. Um, mm. And it's just because it's so hard. Um, and ironically, that guy's like, divorced and his life is in shambles now um but his there was some reality to it and i've said i've actually said things very similar to people like make sure it's a calling and a direction that the lord's moving you uh because bro the pay is not good enough and the hours are rough and it's a heavy heavy burden Mm -hmm. um and i didn't know that (laughs) you know walking in so i go into the master divinity program at western seminary and at the same time my dad's church is going through a church split they needed someone to lead worship. I'm like, yeah, I can sing and play guitar. Like, cool. I'll just pick, you know, four songs every week, sing real good and, you know, go about my week. Yeah. You know, not having any idea that ministry is a whole lot more than that. Um, and so for me, that started a journey of I'm trying to think of the year I graduated in 11. Um, it started really a seven year, um, really pastoral ministry journey for me. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of walked in and out of pastoral ministry, but was still serving in the church and, and doing worship ministry. And um, that led me to becoming a full-time pastor uh, with the church in Kaiser, um, which is where you're at um, mm-hmm. down there. And um, yeah, so I was there for two and a half years with the worship and student ministries pastor. And then after a year transitioned to full student ministries. Um, and so uh I, again, wasn't the healthiest version of myself in that season. And so for me, I think in a lot of ways, um, I was shooting myself in the foot as far as doing ministry. But, man, the heart and the calling is still there. Um, When me and my wife had our first son, I needed a better job with better pay. And that's kind of when the Pure Desire position opened up. Um, And so they just wanted somebody who was more creative and knew, like, production side and media side, which for me is, like, actually my natural bent in ministry. Mm -hmm. Like... uh, I see things from like outside. Um, it's very easy for me to embody what an outsider would see or perceive. Right. Um, and so for me, I got to walk into a, a position of pure desire as a uh, creative communications manager that, you know, allowed me to um, 
man, it really flexed my creative muscles and also still helps serve the church because that's the primary heart of pure desire. So I was a pastor. And then I think that that really did set me up to be better at my job at pure desire because I understand church. I understand the systems and the structures and the mission and the roles that people play. So yeah, that kind of led me to pure desire and, um, man, we're a month away from it being three years since I've been Wow. Here. It's been three years. I yeah, didn't man. realize that. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that because what I, as you stated, is you going through your pastoral journey has prepared you to be a, a better employee or a better servant within Pure Desire because of the blending of both worlds. And like it, the value in, you know, in the untimely word of wisdom from that previous from your youth pastor of hey getting some experience that is outside of this will is beneficial and i can Mm -hmm. see how that could be beneficial just so that you can help bridge the gap between folks who are all walks of life and kind of help them guide to the main mission and repeat your repeat your phrase because i want you to repeat that one more time for me so it's to help facilitate and encourage the development and progression of others growth and maturity and sanctification so two questions out of that. One, when did you write that? Let's start there. When did you write that phrase? So let me think about this. That probably would have been, I'm going to say it was 2013 or 14. Wow. Um, and bro, I'm, technology, pull my phone up right now. It is. <laughs> it's like one of the, it's like one of the first pictures on my phone. So, um, but yeah, I remember I wrote it on my calendar, um, yeah, it's September 26, 2014. Wow. Um, I wrote up my personal mission statement. And I would I tweak it now, language and stuff, I think, a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it definitely remains the same. So, yeah. yeah, that's your answer to the first question. Yeah. So, how did that show up now? So, uh, so you talked about your journey of how you got to Pure Desire. How does the, the, that phrase that you wrote back then show up in the work that you've been doing for the last three years? Yeah. I mean, for me, my story is sexual addiction you know, a porn addiction, um, really what I would, I'd actually say is a love addiction. It was more about um, being loved and um, being accepted by other people, uh, which actually is kind of tied to the brokenness that I think I learned or the lies I believed that sports taught me. Sports taught me a lot of really good things, but it also taught me that you're, you're loved to the degree that you perform on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, um, man, like for me, that, that was something that played out like, what I've learned um, over the years, because it's what we do is very clinical and very biblical. And so it's the, it's the marriage of the two. And so understanding that addiction is actually not, um, sexual addiction is not about sex. It's about medicating pain. For me, that was the way I medicated pain. Um, people use alcohol, people use drugs, but people use books, Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, working out, like anything and everything. Um, so <clears throat> for me, man, it was something that was just a part of my story. And so what I've learned is that once I found freedom in that area, there was so much shame that I carried in that area that once that shame was broken and I started to walk out my identity and understand how valuable and loved I am from the Lord, by the Lord, for me, it was like, okay, this is like, this is living. This is what it's actually about. Um, so for me, I, I currently am the marketing director. And so for me, I, um, for me, the way I've said it is like, I'm the wrapping paper uh, around the message. Like for me, I'm just trying to make the wrapping paper appealing to draw people in because the message is good. Like it's a gift, what you're going to get if you go through recovery. Um, and so, yeah, for me, what that looks like now is like, you know, we do a podcast. Um, we're always putting out messages on social media, always making sure that we're doing good content that basically are encouraging people. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. It's okay to have issues, to have struggles, to have, man, like, footholds in your life it's okay to have those things but it's not okay to sit there in isolation and pray away the problem it's not going to work um i think that i think the lord gave us uh two feet and two hands because we need to walk and we need to work like i think that we got to do what we got to do um there's a partnership there and so for me um and i've seen friends i've seen colleagues i've seen um people that i that I didn't know but now have great relationships with walk out into not just like freedom from sexual brokenness, but really walk into who they are and starting to tangibly experience who God has created them to be. 
Um, because what you find out is once you dive in there, it doesn't just affect uh, your relationship or your sexual relationships, but it actually affects the way that you view yourself, the way that you do relationships, your ability to be vulnerable and authentic and real. Um, it changes your relationship with the Lord. And so for me, that's like, I get to do that. I get to help. I get to help pastors. I get to help elders. I get to help men, women, students, families change, not just change themselves, but change culture in their house and then change culture in their communities. And then we've seen entire, you know, entire cities, entire states. We're starting to see entire countries that are starting to embrace this stuff. So yeah, I get to do it at a, at a global scale that I didn't think I was ever going to get to. And I didn't think this would be it. <laughs> like I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a marketing director for a, a nonprofit that helps people to stop touching themselves, you know? And it's like, <laughs> that's, that's not where it was. But what I've learned is that God actually uses our brokenness. And this is one of my favorite passages is second uh, Corinthians one, three through seven, mm-hmm. just that idea that um, as God comforts you and your brokenness and your suffering and your difficulty, he actually equips you with your superpower to actually help people who are in the exact same spot. So great. that for me has been, uh, it's been a cool, really a cool dynamic that the Lord's worked out in my life for sure. That's great. That's great. I want to talk about how, <clears throat> You mentioned that pure desires, like your at least your the lens that you're sitting in is you're impacting it from a systemic perspective and mm-hmm. you know globally as a euphemism, but also globally, literally, like you are traveling quite a bit to share this message. Yeah. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to say, you know, thank you <laughs> uh, for the listeners on the podcast. Uh, when actually, I I think I told you this uh, the day that you asked me to be a part of your group for pure desire was I think two days uh, after we found out that we were going to have a boy, like our first son. Mm -hmm. And so already, like I was thinking about, you know, I've been thinking about marriage. We've been married already for a year and a half at that point. And um, I was like, okay, cool. We're going to have a kid. Great. And then I know we're gonna have a boy. I was like, oh, we're gonna have a boy. And I was like, then I saw about my own background and my own upbringing. And it's like, oh, wow. Like I have a lot that I haven't really dealt with that yep. pertains to what I'm going to carry forth into the next generation from a legacy perspective. And um, you can't, you approach me and we've been friends for at least a couple of years at that point. And yep. you say, Hey, you know, bringing this pure desire group to my church, I want you to be yeah. a part of it and kind of walk through it with a group of guys. And I was like, right. you know, it is 100% that I need not only for myself, yeah. but also to prepare uh, for my family and learn quite a bit just from a self-awareness perspective and, ways to grow out of that addiction and grow out of that mm-hmm. mindset and as well but more so like digging deep to the roots and what really is truly the reasons behind you know porn and 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 masturbation and all that and all that yep. stuff when it comes to an addiction perspective and yeah so i know yep. throughout the throughout the whole season i've told you thank you for that and it was a really yeah, great time to be in it and continuing yep. to be fruitful in the way that i love my wife and kids and it's just awesome to hear that that's continuing to be part of your journey and part of your work to help other men and women across the nation in this way. So thank you. Yeah, man. And I I would just say this too, like, um, like people think, you know, thank me, they think staff, they, they do that. But like in all reality, we just kind of, and this is what our ministry really does is we just create the roadmap. You're Mm -hmm. the one who walks it like, Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think that the real heroes when it comes to this are the people who are courageous enough because courage is not a lack of fear. Courage is still stepping out regardless of fear. It's the courageous act of, you know what, this is going to suck. This is going to be really, really hard, but I'm going to do it because I see that there's benefit at the end. I see that there's value in getting healthy. I see that there's value in not walking my family through the devastation of an addiction. Um, You know, for you, legacy, what am I leaving my kids what am I teaching them, showing them what it means to be a man? Like, there's just a lot to it. So I think that like you have walked that walk, you are continuing to walk in health and recovery. Mm-hmm. And so like the people who do that, they're the heroes. They're the one who do the hard work. Um, and maybe I just went first, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you going first, man. So as you, you pure desire is, is mobile, right? Like you're, well, I want to get to talk about how Peter's we like, on the move, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> because quarantine life is hitting everybody hard. But you were traveling quite a bit. Like you were mm-hmm. quite far often in various locations. Like where yep. describe some of the locations you've been to and some of the work yeah. that you're doing in those spaces. 
Yeah, so for us, we go, um, we offer a, an event, a two-day event called the Pure Desire Conference. And really, it's it's coming into a church or communities, mostly churches. Um, it's for both men and women. Um, and that's something that's really important to know about this topic in general. Um, like sexual addiction and sexual brokenness is not a man's problem. It's a people problem. Mm. Um, and so we go into churches and we educate people on uh, how to create a culture of grace around this topic. So that people can actually come forward and feel safe doing it. We talk about the neurochemistry of addiction, what actually goes on in your brain. Um, we talk about, um, also we talk about like group dynamics. We talk about how to establish sobriety, like practically what it looks like to establish sobriety. We talk about how this stuff plays out in, um, in relationship, parenting, marriage, friendships. And then also we talk about um, really that it's woundedness that motivates these behaviors. And so um, the actual way to freedom is not uh, hurtling your wounds. It's actually powering through them um, and basically reteaching yourself what's true uh, through processing through those. And so we come in and we basically a Friday night, all day Saturday, walk in and do that. Um, and, you know, usually we have pastors and we have people from the area and we have lay leaders, pure desire group leaders and stuff. Um, so for us, man, like, Listen, I was an athlete growing up. I did not travel because baseball was during spring break. Baseball is during the summer. Like, right. you know, you football players got a cake. Like once it was winter break, you'd go wherever you want. Um, yeah, not right. for us. You right. Not for yeah. us. Uh, but no, man, like I've, um, I got to go to DC, uh, which was, which was crazy. Uh, been to New York, been to, dude, I went to Amish country. I went to really? Amish country yes dude where, where it's like how are you to find that where where was the amish living uh pennsylvania okay pennsylvania. interesting literally the town was called intercourse pennsylvania not joking <laughs> uh we did a conference a sexual addiction conference in intercourse pennsylvania i have pictures i'll show you later um but it, it like it's just what's interesting to me is like we've gone and, and i haven't gone on the international ones but like canada brazil um Man, where else did we go? Uh, there's another international one, I think. Um, but like been to Mexico, you know, all these things. And um, for us, man, it's like the message is the message. Like people need it. Um, it might look a little different. Like we've done to Texas. We've gone to Texas. And like Texas tends to be this like, you know, Bible belt. And it's like mm -hmm. we look good. We feel good as Christians. But in reality, brokenness is just like you know, going ham on stuff underneath yeah. the surface. And um, so brokenness is brokenness. And we just try to walk in. And the irony is, is we tend to be the first people that actually are safe for these men and women to come talk to. Like, mm -hmm. you know, for me, like we do a Q&A session. And, um, and one of the things that, uh, and like, ironically, you were like, this is what's cool. I've told this story before, but never with someone who was like in the group with me. Mm -hmm. um, I remember the first time I disclosed to you and the other guys in the group that uh, I had a same sex experience uh, when I was like 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, like, bro, that was like the thing. Everybody's got the thing they're taking to their grave. Like no one ever, 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 like you could torture me all day long. I would never tell you. Mm -hmm. um, that was the thing I wasn't going to tell anybody. I never struggled with, you know, same sex attraction. Um, it was all like curiosity and hormones and puberty and all that. Um, but I remember telling that story and, um, a couple of the other guys in group were like, man, me too. Hmm. And I just remember, like, I was like, I was holding this paper. We're doing our full disclosures to each other. And I'm like, mm -hmm. just shaking. I can't even contain it. And I just remember it was such a healing moment when I felt like the Lord was like, you're not alone. Um, and so for me, I go around the country and, and really, you know, parts of the world. And that's one of the stories I, I literally feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to say it every single time, because there's somebody out there who's had that and carries so much shame on their shoulders. Hmm. And so for us, like, I'm not the only one, like our entire team has these stories that they tell and really share their brokenness. And it just invites people to share and be honest about their stuff. Cause it's like, you're safe, you know, you have already shared and done the hard work of being vulnerable first. And now I can just follow suit. Yeah. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite part is watching people break free of denial and really just own like, man, I need help. Yeah, that's good.
that's good, man. No, it's important to to share your story and how that can impact. You don't know who it can impact, and and the importance of doing that can can break free and allow other people to feel comfortable and feel the inclusiveness as you stated before. Yeah, uh, having that really uh, build relationships and build community. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But we're in quarantine right now, so I want to talk to me. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, man. The seven in you. I want to hear how you and Pure Desire, you know, this kind of bends towards more of that media and the communications yeah. aspect of what your role yeah. is. So how are you continuing the message and continue to engage everyone while mm-hmm. a lockdown? So what are some of the things that you're doing yeah. in this space? So for me um, and my role, uh, primary mediums are, we've got a podcast, a weekly podcast that we've been doing for, um, I think we're, I think we're like three months away, um, maybe a little bit less of three years, mm-hmm. um, three years running. So, um, and I have the privilege of, you know, getting to host that. Um, it's a huge, huge joy. Uh, man, that's a pocket of joy for me and what I get to do. So that's one of them. Um, we also offer the primary thing is online groups. Um, and so uh, we offer online groups that have certified peer desire group leaders and those people who've been, um, in recovery for a couple of years, um, are trained and developed by us, have been to our training events, um, and really have walked the walk and now want to pay it forward. And so our online groups um, are something that anybody and everybody who needs help uh, in this area, we've got groups for men who struggle, women who struggle, and then women who are betrayed spouses online. And there's a fee there, but it is also you're paying for uh, literally, like you're being trained by a master group leader. Yeah. Um, we offer counseling, um, which interestingly enough, you would think counseling is a face-to-face thing. About, it really is about 90% of our counseling is done uh, through secure video online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that uh, is a 12-month program, but helps you literally walk out recovery in your daily life. You don't just go away uh, for like, you know, six weeks and then you like leave the whole situation that's causing the problem they like basically like pick you up and move you somewhere else and then you like get healthy and then they just basically put you right back in you know to the difficult spot this actually helps you live out recovery in your daily life where you're at right now um and then man like social media is a huge thing um you know for me i've been i put in my ten thousand hours when it comes to social media um i mean the irony is, is that social media is, is not the same today as it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so there's always this constant growing and moving. Um, actually kind of like that aspect of it because it allows you a lot of freedom to try stuff. Um, but for us, man, we're just, we're encouraging people um, really two things that brokenness doesn't take a break. Uh, and that, uh, and this is a beautiful line and I'm, I don't even remember the guy who said it, it was a Ted talk uh, years ago. But he said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our big thing is like right now in the quarantine and the social distancing and the solitude, we have to stay connected. Um, and I can just tell you right now, practically in my life, um, as a seven, this is a struggle. <laughs> um, but I have FaceTimed and called and Zoomed so many people uh, more. I'm more connected now than I was before this all started. I think that that's just evidence of um, our need for connection and for relationship. And so, yeah, man, we just try to help facilitate that as much as we can. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine that it, it's, it's just a pivot. You just got to find, still continue the mission, but just find new ways and new avenues to continue those relationships and keep people connected. And yeah, I'm really happy that social media is, or just technology itself is available. Um, I know I've been in previous conversations and been like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this opportunity here. <laughs> like a hundred years ago. Imagine if this yeah. would happen a hundred years ago. Yeah, ah, bro, that, that'd be a little tough. Um, <laughs> real tough. So I want to talk a little bit about fatherhood and in a sense, just some of the highlights or lessons that you're learning about being a husband and a dad, you know? Yeah. Um, that's something that we both are in in the midst of and and you know i got two yeah. you're almost to two two children just yeah what what tell me about fatherhood how's that going for you uh man dude i 
fatherhood for me, um, like, so, so this is how it started for me. I'll just, uh, sevens are great storytellers. This Here is my go. communication style. It. So, um, and this is one of my favorite stories to tell, uh, genuinely. I, um, man, I just don't want to tell the whole story. I'm not going to, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to cut it down a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, my son was born right after the Super Bowl. Um, my first son was born after this, right after the Super Bowl, 2017. His name is Brady. So everyone thinks that we're Patriot fans and I stabbed those people. And those are people that are no longer with us. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I could keep a straight face when I say stuff like that. Yeah. So I could be more funny, but, um, so he, um, he was born and, uh, man, we didn't know if we were going to be able to get pregnant. Like my wife has some medical stuff. And so, you know, he, he basically comes out and it was a, it was quite a three and a half hour experience, um, for my wife and for me, uh, me emotionally, her physically and emotionally, but he comes out and he's just bawling and he's been alive for maybe 15 seconds. And all he's done is cry and just poop all over my wife's chest. And I loved him more than anything mm. in the world, like anything ever in my life. And it's funny too, because I told this story recently and someone said, you love him even more than your wife. And I'm like, no, it's different. Like it just is a different relationship. Um, and in that moment, um, 15 seconds all he's done is cry and poop and i love him more than anything and again one of those you know the lord didn't audibly speak to me but just like downloaded truth into my heart he said that's exactly how i feel about you mm. uh i've known this kid for you know less than a minute and that's how i feel about him and the lord was just like bro that's how i feel about you and you know you read in the psalms like it was before you even had a body I was knitting you together. I loved you. And so for me, man, that's like the, one of the biggest highlights. And, I, and for me, like I would say, to, and I don't know what it's like for you. I mean, you know, I think that you would experience the same, but like mm -hmm. being a dad is the biggest growing and learning experience of my life. Um, I feel like I see the Lord more clearly and evidently uh, in my life than any other season. Mm. Um, and it's funny because I don't feel like new lenses were put um, over my eyes. I feel like my eyeballs were literally taken out and the new ones were like shoved into my skull. And I just see things differently now, you know? Like when I see a parent uh, on a movie get killed, like that hurts me. And before I used to be like, yeah, kill him. Like that's <laughs> fine. Shoot him again. Like it's fine. Do it. You know, now it's like, oh those kids no the white no you know yes. and and it's not like i'm you know over here watching the departed and crying but like it's you know not that i would plug that movie it's just a violent movie um <laughs> <laughs> it's cool man if you're watching the departed and crying like i'm good i get it i get it leo crushed it hey. um so uh that for me is probably the biggest highlight is just him being born and and that's a uh it basically was an experience, uh, a left brain and a right brain marriage of a, like a logic um, or an experiential truth and a reality that I believe, a, a, a faith belief that I have that Jesus loves me, God loves me. Those two got married in that moment in a way that I'd never experienced yet. So that was one. Um, man, another one I remember... Um, Gosh, Brady was probably, he's probably a year, year and a half, and he's just crying in his room. And, you know, like, depends on how many times you've had to go into the room is what I've learned. Yep. Usually the first couple ones, you're just like, okay, I love you. You know, the fourth and the fifth one, you're just like, will you just, <laughs> I'm literally going to take your pillow away. Like, just, um, so he, uh, he kept crying. And so I went in and I picked him up. And uh, he was fine for maybe, you know, a few seconds. And then was like, no, I want down, dad, down, down. I'm like, okay. So I put him down. Within 10 seconds, he's crying again. And I'm like, come here, pick him back up. And he's like, no, 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 down, dad, down. I'm like, okay. And then he cries again. And I'm like, bro, what is going on? Like, just like, so I pick him up again. And he's like, no, down, dad, down. And I put him down. And he starts crying again. And I, in the moment, 
again, the Lord was like, this is what you do to me. Hmm. You say that you want me. You say that you need me. I'm there for you. I pick you up. I tell you, I got you. And you're like, no, nah, I can do this on my own. I don't need you. Hmm. And the second I set you down, you start freaking out again. And it's just a cycle. Hmm. And so for me, it feels like there's just been these, um, these experiences with the Lord that have been facilitated by my relationship with my son um, that have just really infused um, man, just more faith, more belief, uh, more trust, more reliance on the Lord. Um, so the highlights are, are, are moments like that, that my, um, and it's kind of ironic that the highlights are also the things, the lessons that I learn is that um, I get to see my brokenness more on display as a dad than I think even in my marriage. Mm. Um, I get so pissed at this three-year-old uh, who's just a small little broken soul and I get so mad at him about these stupid things and it's just me not getting my way and mm. me having to to change what I want or not getting what I want to help somebody else um, and it, it just it's funny because it seems so like it, it's, it would seem so like it would be so intuitive that you just yeah I'll help you I'll do whatever but it's like after the fifth or sixth time it's like bro go to your room like I'm done with you like yeah. you know yeah. It's funny. I, I will say this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw this. Justin Timberlake recently was interviewed and um, about quarantine and stuff. And he said that parents were not built to 24 hour parent their kids. And he's actually getting a lot of flack on mm -hmm. online for it. Um, I kind of think it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it just, it feels so overwhelming at times. And I think that in some ways, I think that God has literally built that into the programs. Just be like, you, you need me is what mm -hmm. you need. Like mm -hmm. stop trying to just, you know, convince your kid to be obedient. Like come to me, I'll work on your heart. And as I work on your heart, you're actually going to be a better parent and work on his. Mm -hmm. And so I just am learning that it's, it's more about, about me and my heart uh, and me growing as an individual. Um, one of the biggest things for me growing up is I felt like I couldn't relate to my dad. I felt like he was Superman, um, like new scripture was a theological juggernaut um, and just didn't know much about his story. Didn't know much about his brokenness or his struggles. And bro, like I don't relate to Superman, <laughs> <laughs> like Clark Kent. I got you. Like yeah. we on, we on that, but I, I don't relate to Superman. And so for me, one of the things that I think is, is a beautiful piece of, of parenting or being a dad is that, I have the opportunity to see my, allow my son to see my brokenness. Um, and then also to see my repentance, that turn, that, that shift, that change. Um, and whether that's owning like, Hey buddy, I'm sorry. You know, mm -hmm. daddy got angry and this is on me. We forgive me or changing the way that I approach it. Um, man, I've started when I'm talking to my kid, I've, I've stopped just standing and talking down. I've started getting onto my knees eye to eye and trying to have conversations because I don't want him to look at me as a superhero or as a varsity player. And if he's not here, he'll always be JV in the kingdom. You and I have talked about this many times. Mm -hmm. There's no JV team in the kingdom. <laughs> Everybody's on varsity or you're not on the team. Like that's it. Yeah. So I just want him to grow up in a, in an environment, in a culture where it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to have struggles and it's okay to ask for help. So that's, that's so just kind of what I've been learning, you know, for the last three years. That's so good. That's so good, man. Dude, I'm, what about you? I'm, I'm, I'm switching it. What about you? <laughs> no, I'm reflecting on that, man, because obviously in this season that we're in, um, yeah, I, my, my wife, Lindsay, she was like, yeah, you, I, I've been experiencing a lot of, you know, lack of patience, <laughs> a lack of, you know, my tone is a little bit stronger, I'm a little bit more stern and thinking like, okay, why doesn't my son figure out how to get dressed? He's been doing it at least a year of his whole, of his three and a half year old life. You know, he knows how to get dressed, but yet he often, like you said, like three or four times in, he gets, yeah, I get a little annoyed and, you know, my wife was like, yeah, I mean, you know, you honestly, you don't hang out with them that ought that long because you're at work all day and so you know you got four to five hours throughout the week or throughout every day and then more on the weekends and you're kind of experiencing a lot more so I'm working through that of <laughs> just mm -hmm. how do I um 
continue to practice patience and continue to come back and be like, okay, I got to remember he is three, mm-hmm. <laughs> which my wife says often he's three, as well as he's learning how to communicate. And, yep. and something, um, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Jeremy Williams, he, what mm-hmm. he often says is, you know, think about our own communication and like how sometimes we just don't have the words to say things. Yeah. Now picture that with a toddler, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a hundred mag is magnified. So I'm like, yeah. okay, I have to remember yeah. he doesn't have the full words or the emotions yet, or he is working through the emotions in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I'm learning to be comfortable with the fact of him feeling this way. Like you said, like it's okay to feel this way. And now how do I respond in that to show yeah. how can, you know, how to respond well in these situations and not yell at him, not tower over him. But yeah, right. like you stated, um, you know, one of the things I've been working to do is if we ask him to go to his room or what have you, because of, you know, he hits his brother or something, you know, he throws a tantrum. Um, I, you know, I take a minute and go in and then I go in and I pull up a chair and I sit down in front of him while mm-hmm. he's sitting on the bed and we just talk. It's like, Hey, tell me what you did. Let's talk about it. Why do you think you did that? Let's, let's have yeah. a discussion and yep. talk through it um, and say, okay, what do we want to do now moving forward? Um, and usually it's coming out of it with a, an understanding, I guess I, I would like to think of, yep. let's go apologize to your mom. Let's go apologize to your brother. Let's yep. make sure we share our toys or what have you. Just talking about the lessons through it. Yep. And a lot of it is, um, yeah, just me. Uh, like you said, like if God is working on my heart, he will help me in how I communicate or parent my son and parent mm-hmm. my children and family. So yeah, learn a lot about myself through the season. Um, and we'll continue yeah. to, as we grow in each stage of parenting and more children we bring into the world. Um, that's not a plug that we're bringing in more children. I'm just saying more children. <laughs> bring into I am. The world. I am. I'm three, we're three weeks away. Yeah. Three weeks away. <laughs> Baby number two. Baby number two is on the way. Yeah, man. So yeah, I'll definitely be obviously praying for you in, in that space, Amen. you and Amy and all that, because because um, it's 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 a blessing and it's also an, it's a transition this experience. Um, so as we draw this to the close, I I want to get to the point of talking about some lessons or some wisdom you would like to share to the next generation. I think a lot of my heart is geared towards um, sharing stories and communicating. Um, some of the things we've learned through our stories, but also not just to communicate, just to communicate, but then also share, okay, how do we help the next generation walk through this season or walk through them the things that you've experienced so that they don't also trip up and, you know, experience the same pitfalls or whatever, or just be on the lookout for the, for the warning signs or what have you. So um, if you would like to share some of the words of wisdom that you may have, whether it's uh, for the athlete who is, well, unfortunately, had their season cut short during this time. Um, but those who are, you know, athletes in that stage, yeah. um, you know, somebody stepping into ministry or somebody stepping into fatherhood, what are some words of wisdom that you would have in some of those camps? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, one of the questions you sent me beforehand were just people that I uh, admire or look up to uh, who influence me. And um, I mean, I thought about it for a minute and the two people that came to mind um, uh, and we, you know, I think our, our mutual friend, Jeremy knows, knows him, um, but Bob Goff, mm-hmm. um, if you, and if you don't know who that is, um, love does, uh, everybody always two of his books. Um, and, uh, I kind of, I've kind of learned to love the way I describe Bob. Um, I actually hate how much I love him, <laughs> um, because he just loves people in non-judgmental uh, fully accepting, gracious, and just gentle way. Um, and man, like we're talking about real time, like right now, uh, I'm facing how judgmental I am, how critical I am, um, and how easy it is to mask that. Um, you know, like you talk about, like talk about my phrase, right? Like I just want to help people grow, man. That's a really easy thing to hide behind. Um, and justify being critical and super judgmental. Hmm. And so for me, he's someone who inspires me. Um, and man, I'm just convicted. I need to read his stuff again. You know, um, I need to be, he needs to be on my like yearly circuit um, of what I read and intake. So he's the first one. And the, and the second one, um, and this is a, a local pastor from Portland. His name is John Mark Comer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, man, if you haven't 
checked him out at all. Uh, Bridgetown Church in Portland. His teaching is incredible. Um, but I, in a really interesting, sketchy season um, recently of my life, I read uh, his newest book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. <laughs> um, and uh, especially as a seven, <laughs> right? Like for me, it's just like, go, 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 next thing, next thing. Man, I've learned how to, through him, learn how to evaluate the structure that I have for my life. Um, like growth just doesn't happen. You actually have to lay the groundwork. And the, the image I get is um, people who um, like vines, like hmm. uh, if you want to, you know, do wine or anything like that, like um, the vines don't grow vertical on their own. They need a trellis. They need a structure in place to help it grow in the right direction. What I've learned is that spiritual disciplines, um, they seem really constricting and like spiritual disciplines, meaning like prayer, um, like Lectio Divina, really reading scripture and having scripture read you, um, mm. devotional time, Sabbath, which is something my family's been practicing now for maybe six months, um, silence and solitude, uh, slowing um, your body, slowing what you do. Bro, I've been driving the speed limit for you know, about six months. Um, How's that? And like, man, it's crazy. <laughs> like people go so fast. It's wild. <laughs> it feels like I'm, feels like I'm driving 25. I'm going 55 and it feels like I'm going 25. Oh my gosh. And it's not like we live in LA, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, for me, he's, um, he's really opened the door to the world of spiritual disciplines for me, John Marquez. And, um, and like, I've had some conversations with him over Instagram and stuff, but, um, he has pastored me more in the last year, um, than most people have in my life. Um, hmm. and just really, um, well, I, and I, I could say another third person, it kind of, this kind of led me in the direction, but there's a, um, a book called the road back to you, the hmm. Enneagram, you know, I've, I've referred to it a couple of times. It's been just really, really helpful for me. Um, putting language to why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who wrote that book, Ian Morgan Cron, uh, him and his podcast, Typology, that book, have really opened up the conversation for me. Like, um, how can I tell if I'm moving toward health and moving toward unhealth? Mm. Um, and for me, I am healthy when I am present, when I am calm, when I am minimalistic. And um, the spiritual disciplines have been something I've embraced. Mm-hmm. Um, for the better part of a year and and it's been something that just really like it, it, it's it's funny to me um we're in a, a world that's really fast and really hurried to get places like right now we just want to hurry and get out of this quarantine we just want to hurry and, and get out of all this craziness um but nothing of value happens quickly um and you know like just watching my son grow like he doesn't become an adult or full grown until he's probably 18 probably 19 years old like i think that we don't we don't take that into account we think of spiritual development or growth uh in our character and so i think that for me spiritual disciplines are trying to place structure around me and this is what i would encourage people to do is literally um put structure around you that facilitates the growth in the direction you want to go Hmm. Um, it doesn't happen organically. It just doesn't. Um, it happens with structure and it happens through intimate being like meaning knowing and being known in relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that that's like the biggest thing is like, you need to have structure and a growth plan. And I know that it sounds, I don't know, that sounds maybe dumb or too, um, too constricting, but Mm -hmm. Like take it from me, someone who literally I don't want to feel stuck or be, you know, suffocated by any means. Um, I'm just learning that there's value um, for structure that helps facilitate the growth that you want. Um, And then that has to be open and honest. Like you have to be real. You have to let people know what's going on in life. And that's just not because of the fact that I work for Pure Desire. But Mm -hmm. then I had a conversation today with one of my best friends just about um, grieving some of the sin that I feel like I'm seeing in my life. And that comes from the spiritual disciplines I've been putting into practice, the Lord revealing things to me, and then also being really honest and vulnerable with people around me. So I think that um, 
we need to love people, but that only really happens when we put the structure in place. And if we're really real about what's going on and allow people to speak into that. That's awesome. I'm letting that breathe. That was good. <laughs> I was a pastor for a while, so I feel like I get preachy on the pedestal every once in a while. But No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. No, this is good, man. I just want to thank you for coming late night on the show. Yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah. but more particularly just for you to share your story and share uh, the journey that you've been on. You willing be, to be vulnerable uh, not just here, obviously, but just throughout your life and the work that you were doing uh, for a greater good and for a greater cause um, to see people heal, to see people uh, being their best self and also knowing what it truly means to be in relationship with Christ and and be a part of that kingdom, be a part of that varsity team uh, yeah. and be included into that work. So I appreciate you coming on, man, and sharing this. Uh, where can people find you, find the work that you're doing uh, so that yeah. way they can be connected? Yeah, man. Uh, Pure Desire Podcast. Um, just type that in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all of it. Uh, we're all over the map. Uh, weekly podcast, just helping people get healthy in the area of sexuality. Um, and uh, yeah, like, I mean, that's it. Like, go to that. Like, uh, that's that's something we really enjoy doing. Um, and then for me, I'm just, I'm on Instagram at Trevor M. Windsor. Um, and I'm not on there a ton, but, you know, like, so see cool pictures of my kid, my wife. Uh, but I'm, I'm really active, um, on pure desires accounts, just at pure desire PDMI, uh, on all the platforms, uh, pure desire ministries on YouTube. So yeah, man, just trying to put out content and try to help people. So those would be the places to check us out. Perfect. Well, yeah, I'll definitely drop those in the show notes and, and be able to shout those out as well. So people can get connected in that way and also see your beautiful family. You have a beautiful family, man. That's the, yeah. So we got to let people see that too. Um, and show that out, but Regardless, Trevor, thanks so much for being on the show. I really do appreciate it, brother. Yep. Best guest you've had so far. And I plan oh, to be on many, many times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yep. Thanks so much for listening to On the Mic with Ray White. And before you leave, I got a few asks for you. First, connect with me on social media and let me know what your thoughts are on this episode. You can find me on my personal page at Ray Devante on all social accounts and this podcast at OTM podcast on Instagram. Next, subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your favorite listening device. Make sure that you go ahead and find on the mic with Ray White on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and make sure that you let me know that you're listening. And finally, share this episode with a friend. Take the time to send them a link or tag them on your social media platforms and start the conversation around them, around the reflective topics and the questions on this episode. Thanks so much. And don't forget to share your story with others. Peace.